Welcome to this very special episode of the Mindset for Runners podcast, an interview with Australian 24-hour ultramarathon representative, Joe Ward, where we delve deeper into his mindset, into what makes him the champion that he is. Well, hey, and welcome to this very special episode, part two of an interview with Joe Ward, the champion Australian ultra runner. And I'm so thrilled to have Joe back on the podcast. I had so many messages from the last interview we did about what you got out of it and what an amazing athlete Joe is, um, and also about his mindset, which is really where we're going to go with the call today. You did hear Joe's bio in the last um, interview I did. I'm just going to read a bit more about what he's achieved, just so you can kind of reconnect with Joe and where he's come from. So Joe's a champion ultra runner with hundreds of races under his belt. He's an Australian representative runner and recently represented Australia in India in July, coming away with the silver medal for the men's team in the International Association of Ultra Runners Oceanic Championships. He's a full-time running coach and he's a founder of Manly Beach Running Club. He's coached over, sorry, hundreds of athletes over the last decade. He's also a Tailwind-sponsored athlete. So you might say that uh, running is Joe's world. Besides running numerous marathons over the years, Joe really stepped up to the ultra distance stuff uh, in 2010 when he completed his first Port Macquarie Ironman. Uh, in 2013, 14, 15, and last year in 2021, Joe completed the epic 240-kilometer Costa Kosciuszko Marathon and ultimately last year won the race, setting a new record for the inclement weather finish. Not only that, Joe has run twice on the Great North Walk 250k between Sydney and Newcastle, once from north to south and the other from south to north. He's also run from Brisbane to Sydney. That's over a thousand kilometers and he still holds the fastest known time for that distance, for that actual leg of 11 days, seven hours. Um, In 2018, he came to the fore in Australian ultra running by winning the the much um, respected Great North Walk 100 mile race in first place, 23 hours and six minutes. 2020, he won the Australian 24-hour Invitational in Canberra, uh, running 239.5 kilometres. A year later, and that was last year in 2021, Joe won the Sri Chimnoy 12-hour in 125.7 kilometres. That's round around the uh, athletics track in the Australian Institute of Sport in Canberra, of course. He then went on the same year to win the Southern Sydney Ultra 24-hour in a distance of 242.6, which is the A-grade qualifier and got him into the Australian 24-hour team. Um, he also won earlier this year the Sri Chimnoy 12-hour in a time of sorry in a distance of 126 kilometres over those 12 hours. And like I said, Joe recently came back from India where he placed fifth overall and helped the Aussie Emus uh, secure a silver medal in those championships. So let's get into the interview with Joe. I'm absolutely thrilled. Welcome to the podcast, Joe Ward. If you haven't listened to part one of our chat, that was episode 12, um, go back and listen to that. But it's not necessary. This is not like a a sequel to part one at all. You're going to get so much out of this call. And after hearing that bio, I'm sure that you're already uh, captivated. So welcome to the call, Joe, and thanks for your time today. Thank you so much, Rob. It's so good to be here. Excited for another chat. Yeah, me too, mate. Me too. Last time we spoke, you were preparing to represent Australia uh, for the, actually the second time, because the first time was when you did the virtual six-hour race back in COVID. 
But this was the first real time you'd traveled with an Australian team, you traveled to India um, to represent Australia in a 24 hour um, track event. Mate, can you take us through that experience? Um, we'd love to hear what it was like being part of an Aussie team, uh, the weather conditions, how you prepared for it, and just take us through the experience of, of, of representing Australia at this level. Yeah, where to start with India? Um, it's such a different country compared to Australia, as anyone that's been to India can attest. It's, you know, it's kind of chaotic and anarchic. You know, there's uh, traffic on the roads that don't stick to the lanes and everyone's kind of going through red lights and you're taking your life in your hands when you're jumping a tuk-tuk. Um, so for 200, 200 rupees, you can almost lose your life on an Indian road. Uh, it's a crazy country. And there's holes in the pavement and there's electric wires hanging down across all the streets as wild dogs in the streets as well and um so yeah it's uh, it's a very different country to australia and obviously the climate is different as well <clears throat> so um preparing for india was a case of trying to acclimatize to the heat and trying to use what's been discovered in the past rob around um prepping for um for a hot climate so we were going from winter to uh, summer in Bangalore in India. And what we'd learned from all these different research papers and obviously working with Coach Martin as well, and you know he's an expert at this kind of stuff, having raced all over the world, was you needed to wait for the last two weeks to get the most from your heat acclimation training. Um, so for the last um, week before I left, because we were spending the, the, the next week in India acclimatizing actually in the climate, I was wearing four layers of clothing, going for a 30 minute jog on the beachfront, looking like a nutcase in the middle of June, um, running to the infrared sauna, and then going from a 30 minute jog in four layers of clothing to a 50 minute sauna. And it was fascinating because the infrared sauna, I, it was really difficult for me as a, uh, originally a palm and sort of very white skin and quite pasty. Um, you know, I can get a suntan when the moon's out, but, um, yeah, it was it was interesting to try and sort of acclimatize the heat and get my head around how to stay in there for 50 minutes. The first couple of times I was in there for 15 minutes and had to step out, have a quick shower and jump back in. Um, but I eventually got used to it and I had a few little discoveries along the way. So in these infrared saunas, it's amazing these days. Like technology is crazy, isn't it? I just feel like I'm living in the future at times. They've got iPads in the infrared saunas, right? And they're hidden behind a plate of glass so you set it up and you put your spotify or you put your podcast on or you put your youtube video on and then you sit back in the sauna and you you watch your video or you listen to your music or your podcast or whatever so what i discovered was i watch a lot of joe rogan experience and i you know listen to a lot of podcasts including your own and um but i also watch a lot of stand-up comedy and many moons ago when i was a bartender, I worked in stand-up comedy clubs. And that was my favorite thing, was not just watching great comedians, but also, unfortunately, watching the terrible comedians is just as much fun. So I found if I watched stand-up comedy in the infrared sauna, somehow I, I could laugh my way through 50 minutes and get through the whole thing. Um, and having spoken to a few of my boxing friends, including, including Claudine, who's a great boxer, who's a 16 times national and international champion. She said, oh, that's amazing. That's what I did to get through 
the sauna as well. I'd watch stand-up comedy. So it seems like that's a bit of a method for getting through those tough patches, um, whether it's in a race or in a sauna, if you can laugh your way through and smile your way through, it makes a big difference. So yeah, I could take the heat because of that comedy on YouTube. Um, there's a great comedy podcast called Kill Tony. I don't know if anyone's heard of that. Um, Tony Hinchcliffe um, and Red Band, and they have new comedians and experienced comedians that all get up and um, do do a minute of, of stand-up comedy. It's very entertaining and it's um, yeah a great way to laugh yourself through the heat training. So you spent these last two weeks um, acclimatizing for the heat. Just for anyone listening, if you ever try to spend 50 minutes in a sauna, that's an extraordinary long time. Um, <laughs> speaking from personal experience. Um, and can you take us through what that adaptation, you know, what, why do that? What, what was the purpose of that heat acclimation? Yeah, so <clears throat> the idea is to get as much sort of ahead of the curve as possible. I mean, being a runner, it's all about being proactive, isn't it? We're doing proactive with our training proactive with our nutrition proactive with our sleep so we're trying to get ahead of that curve kind of put ourselves in indian summer before we get to india um so there's a great little on my garmin enduro i've, I've upgraded to enduro in the last six months or so and on my garmin there's now a heat acclimation percentage and it actually shows you how heat acclimized how heat adapted you are um, so that was quite a nice indicator to have that. And, um, and that makes a big difference. But essentially what you're trying to do is put yourself in a state where when it's super hot, you can still run at your easy pace without your heart rate being significantly higher. So you can imagine for every five or 10 degrees higher, um, you know, every five degrees higher, you're talking an increase of 10 beats per minute or so on your heart rate. So that has a corresponding effect on how long you can hold that pace for and it obviously feels much more difficult to run in the heat um so yeah it's going from australia in the winter arriving in bangalore in um in the summer um and it was funny one of the girls cassie uh in the aussie team one of the the fellow emus um also representing australia for the first time she had in her training program one hour bang adapt and because we're all um coached by martin you know we were trying to figure out what bang adapt was what's bang adapt what is bang bang adapt and then we sort of decipher that's bangalore adaptation um we thought it was some kind of fancy new thing that martin had, had invented um so for the rest of the sort of monday tuesday wednesday sort of doing our bang adapt as we got close to the race on saturday morning um we were sort of fist bumping and saying yeah bang adapt you know every time we managed to get a tuk-tuk at the right place and got ourselves to a cafe that served good coffee and good cups of tea and good food. We were extra bang adapt. So um, yeah, it was a nice experience to, well, it's really beneficial for me to learn what the adaptation consists of, what you need to do. And I could feel the effects on, on my heart rate. My heart rate was significantly lower in India than it would have been without that bang adapt session. Um, so yeah it's trying to manage you know a, a climate that is ridiculously hot and india just to put people in the picture it's like 29 degrees in bangalore when we arrive um it actually peaked at 29 on saturday and so it's 26 27 
when we were doing our adaptations. We were doing a few runs and walks in the tracks and trying to get used to the heat. Um, and then the humidity was 95%. Unbelievable. Absolutely insane. So we had not just um, uh, the Aussies, but a, a few of the other uh, nationalities out on the course during the race. And they were puking up within 90 minutes of starting the race. Um, one of my uh, runners was talking to me on Saturday whilst we were doing a trail run. And he said he tuned in at two in the morning just to see how things were going, to be greeted by uh, a green and gold shirt sort of hunched over beside the tent, puking in front of the camera. So um, that wasn't me. That I think that was either, either Stephen or um, possibly Daniel. But it was a tough day for, for half the field, if not more. Um, and just the hottest run I've ever run in, the hottest weather I've ever had to run a long run in. It, it was, I would say it would be difficult for most people to run a half marathon in those kind of conditions. So to run for 24 hours, I have to say, you know, I've spoken to the rest of the Australian team about this. We performed amazingly well. We were a great team um, to come away with gold for the ladies and silver for the men and two individual medals for the ladies, silver and bronze. You know, I ran a race that doesn't really tell the whole story. I ran 220 Ks in 24 hours, you know, and I'm a 242 K runner, but I reckon that 220 is worth significantly more. Same for Matt. Matt ran 234, I think. Um, he became the uh, um, best international performance on Indian soil in history. Um, so to run in that heat, it's hard to really you know, get your head around just how difficult um, and how challenging that can be. And it's the mental aspect, it's the heart rate, <clears throat> but it's also not just the physical stuff, but also just that oppression, just being in an oven for 24 hours. It actually, we can get onto this a bit later when we get to the race day, but at two, three in the morning, it got hotter, right? It got hotter at two, three. This is, it's kind of topsy-turvy land. I'm used to Canberra where at two, three in the morning, it gets freezing cold and you have a big mug of tea or a big mug of, uh, of coffee. So um, yeah, the, the heat adaptation was extremely important both before we left and then when we arrived. And it, it was uh, a race that we're proud of as an Aussie team, but also an incredible challenge and, and an opportunity for us to see if we can still dig deep. It was an extraordinary result, especially given the conditions. In our last interview, you spoke about how much you love the rain and the cold. And you said, Coast of Cozzy last year, you thrived in the rain. In Canberra, when it rained the whole race, you thrived and it's your happy place and it brings back memories of of England and, and of you know all of those great memories. So you feel like you, it gives you the edge. Can you mm. tell us how, when you talk about that oppressive heat that you suffered in Bangalore, all for the 24 hours, as you said, it got hotter. Where did you go with your mindset to get through? I, instead of wishing it was gonna rain and be cold like you perform your best, how did you still pull out the performance that you did um, in those conditions? Well, yeah, look, my mind had to go somewhere and I try to go to a place that's inspiring and positive and, you know, I try and let go as much as I can. Um, it's really important not to carry too much with you when you're running for 24 hours because whatever you carry with you can make you feel very heavy and you want to be light of spirit and light of fit, foot and um, just really light in your thinking as well. I think if you overthink things or you've got a tendency to overthink things, 
it can get you in trouble. So running is great for that. It really teaches you to let go, let go, let go. And that's something I know we've talked about before. But something I want to touch on is um, Martin was obviously present for the run. And it was great to have him with us all day, every day, and breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and just sharing his wisdom. And he had these brilliant words that he shared with us that just put my mind in a different place. And um, he, he'll openly tell us, and he did say, on, you know, after the race, we had a couple of beers and he was talking about how he hypnotized us all and how he's been using these techniques to hypnotize us. And we, you know, he's laughing because you don't realize when I'm hypnotizing you, but I'm using suggestive language and it's, but I, I've got some idea when he's doing that. And it's often when he's using these words that I haven't heard before. So one of the words he used was, um, you know, um, Joe, I want you to be effulgent. And I said, what the hell does effulgent mean? Effulgent sounds like a, uh, some kind of washing liquid, doesn't it, effulgent? Um, and he, he said, look it up. You need to look it up. Google effulgent. So I Googled it, as a good student should. And it, effulgent means shining brightly, um, shining brilliantly, resplendent, wonderful. As in, how are you feeling about race day, Joe? I feel absolutely effulgent, right? So people were sending me messages whilst I was in India and he's sharing all these words and I'm saying, I feel absolutely effulgent. You know, I feel fantastic. And then the other one he shared was um, adamantine. I want you to be an adamantine ultra runner. And adamantine, and again, he sends me off to, to Google it. Adamantine means unyielding and inflexible. And this had a real effect on me, all these different little words he was sharing. Um, and then we we talked about you know the, the trip in india and sort of explaining to people back home how it feels to be preparing for a 24-hour race in bangalore and martin said it's ineffable which to me sounds like you're avoiding saying the f word doesn't it ineffable but ineffable again i google it and it means unable to be expressed in words so going into the race my coach had me feeling effulgent adamantine and ineffable and that lovely sweet spot, that lovely place of, um, you know, strong but relaxed and sort of equally focused and equally just free and um, independent of any limitations was such a, a wonderful headspace to go into it with. So I was wearing the green and gold. I was doing something I've dreamt about my whole life. I was excited to be representing my country. I was surrounded by people that were the best in the country if not the best in the world and um yeah it's hard not to feel effulgent adamantine and ineffable in that situation it's beautiful to hear your coach putting in those words because as you, as you said you, you you want to be light going into the race and i can only imagine you're representing australia for a first time there's an expectation either from yourself or from others to perform I mean, you're there mm. as a team to get a result. Um, and I'm, I'm imagining carrying those kind of thoughts, those heavy thoughts in, yet Martin was giving you permission to take in that lightness uh, and, and go in with a, with a clear mind. Can you, can you take us through like the lower level, the practical side of how you would continually let go, let go? So if a thought came in with, you know, I should get this, total in the race or i need to get this um position or um 
even during the race when you know you're capable of running 240, 250, and this time the heat, the, the condition, you're not going to get there. So how do you let go of that expectation in the race um, if you can kind of take us through if there's a process that you're aware of? Yeah, look, there's so many components to that. And, you know, apart from just saying I practice, which is a really sort of basic answer, there's a great quote by Haruki Marikami. <clears throat> I'm sure some people have heard of him. He's written a book called What I Talk About When I Talk About Running. Very popular book, I think, in the running world. And his quote is, all I do is keep on running in my own cozy, homemade void, my own nostalgic silence. And this is a pretty wonderful thing, no matter what anybody else says. And I think that's where I went with this. And it was funny, they had a lady on the microphone at the track and every three hours or so, she would do an announcement in a very thick Indian accent. Um, and she was, it was strange. They, Although Bangalore is the home of technology in India, the technology was terrible and everything kept breaking. So I couldn't see how many Ks I'd run and the big screen showing us on video that would be working sporadically and then it would go off again and go black. And I kept seeing the Windows XP logo, which anyone, anyone in IT knows Windows XP is death. You don't want Windows XP. So everything was being held together with kind of um, apparently sort of chewing gum and, and elastic bands. But um, she would come over the microphone and give us updates on our positions 35 minutes ago. So she would tell us where we were 35 minutes ago. But her intro to this would always be to remind us it's very hot on the track and everyone's having a tough time and even the Indians are suffering and we hope you're all doing well out there sort of bearing with the heat and you know just be careful in that heat make sure you stay hydrated and this this was killing me every three or four hours she'd come on the mic and make this announcement about before I tell everyone your positions I just want to congratulate congratulate you all for running in that heat this is a hot day even for Bangalore and you're doing so well and it was just it was um sort of demotivational for me <laughs> Um, and we weren't allowed to wear um, earphones and have our phones in our hand for fear of contacting coaches. So we weren't allowed communication devices, which meant I couldn't plug some earphones in and just block everything out. Um, but they had some great music that was live on the track. They had a Bangra band and they had a, uh, a guitar band as well. And that was brilliant. Although they were a bit close to the runners. So the music was every 400 meters, you'd have music in your, your right ear or your left ear that was a bit too loud. Um, but yeah, I was soaking it up and I think, you know, one of the things that I've tried to practice in not just my long runs, but also my five Ks and my 10 Ks and I actually ran a PB in the 10 K yesterday. And, and that's put me in a really great headspace for this podcast. So I set out to run a 38 something and ran 36, um, and just felt amazing for whatever reason. I had coffee at just the right time and I, Started my run at 10.30 when my energy is really high. So it was a, a really um, fantastic run. And I, I learned a lot from that experience. But one of the things I tell myself during that 10K, especially when you get to sort of 70% in or 80% in, you know, you get to seven or eight minutes, uh, sorry, seven or eight Ks in a 10K and you've still got that two Ks to go. You've got to hold on. And it can be very difficult to hold that pace and try and get that PB often it's, it's difficult not to fade and you're worried that you're going a bit too fast. So for me, the phrase that I use is settle in. 
just settle in. You know, time is going to pass. Let time pass and just settle in. And generally what happens is as soon as I tell myself to settle in, then my heart rate starts to lower. There's more oxygen going to my legs and I can feel it. I can tune into it. I can feel my oxygen is going now instead of, you know, stuck in my chest. It's now going back down to my hammies and my glutes and into my quads. So settling in. And don't settle in to try and be a hippie and don't settle in for your ego because you want to look tough on the, on the track or wherever. You're settling in for yourself. You know, just, just relax into it, settle in, trust the process, trust your training, you know. And gratitude for me is such a huge, huge thing. I think, you know, I've developed this over a number of years, Rob, but just being grateful, nothing can get in. That's like a shield. That That's my protection. You know, I'm, I'm grateful for my team i'm grateful for my coach i'm grateful for my kids i'm grateful for all the loving people in my life i'm so lucky i'm grateful i live in australia i'm grateful to be australian you know it's such a joy to live in i think the best country on the planet i chose this country because i truly believe australia is the lucky country this is the best place in the world and with things that are unraveling on the news in front of us at the moment this is the best place to be down on the east coast of Australia. It's just magic. So gratitude, you know, it's very hard to feel sad or in pain or impatient when you've got gratitude. And gratitude is kind of my antidote to all of that negative energy. You know, when you're hugging your kids close, that's all you can think about. That's all. That's where you are. And you're fully in that moment. And so I try and bring all of that positive energy close. And, you know, I had a runner, uh, Mark Avery, running in the Invitational um, the same time I was running in Bangalore. And that was a massive inspiration to me as well. He's running in, in um, uh, Canberra. I'm running in Bangalore. And we're both on the track doing a 24-hour race. He's going for his Aussie qualification. And I'm um, out there trying to represent, you know, this beautiful country. Very, very special, hard to feel fed up. It's hard to feel down. It's hard to feel self-pity and all that nonsense when we're so lucky. You know, I, I feel very silly feeling um, anything less than than fortunate and, and full of gratitude when I'm wearing this shirt. This is, it's so beautiful to follow one from our previous conversation where there's this side of you, Joe, that, that really connects to something bigger than times and splits and places and, 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 you know, making sure you're squeezing the 1% out, you, 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 you can see consistently talking about it's a spiritual side. It's, you are connecting to a higher energy. Um, can you talk from that place? Um, cause when you talk about, just to give you more, when you talk about the gratitude and when you're talking about the words that Martin gives you and, and being part of the team and representing Australia, all those little problems seem to disappear. And, and it seems that that's the place you go to. You go to this higher level stuff. Um, is it something you're aware of, something you've always done that, or that you've practiced? Or is there a spiritual side to Joe Ward that, that you find refuge in? That's a really good question. That's very deep for a Tuesday, Rob. Um, <laughs> um, is there a spiritual there is definitely the unknown unknowns isn't there there's the x factor stuff there's the bit that we can't define and you know connection to 
you know, people that are no longer with us that aren't able to, to share this life with us, whether that's family or close friends or whoever. I think, um, you know, I, I do feel there's, there's plenty of things I don't understand. There's lots of, you know, magic around me that I can't get my head around. It's funny, when you hang out, I've got a two-and-a-half-year-old and a five-and-a-half-year-old, and we talk about unicorns and fairies and magic every day. As far as they're concerned, that is a, as much a part of their daily you know existence as going to school and going to daycare so it's fascinating to me that if you can live in that place of childlike wonder that's a happy place and the the happy child concept is probably quite important to me um you know i remember watching paul gascoigne gary lineker and you know david platt and all these guys playing for england in 1990 World Cup in Italy. And that dream of representing my country never died. So I, I just felt, I felt indestructible. I, I really did feel, as I said, adamantine and ineffable and all those different, you know, effulgent. Um, that, that was a, a real thing for me. I, I was sparkling and I was shining and I, and I did feel grateful and I was lucky to be in the green and gold and represent my country. That wasn't something I had to manifest, you know? So is there a, a spiritual side to that? I guess the spiritual aspect of running for me is that we're tying ourselves to the people that have come before us. You know, we're standing on the shoulders of giants, um, whether that be our coaches, our, our mindset coaches. And, you know, I've got coach Martin Fryer and coach Claudine Chi. You know, I've, I've learned so much from those guys. And I think the other thing is, I just remember being out in the GNW with you, Rob, 10, 12 years ago, you whizzing past me, right? Somewhere around uh, the, the rainforest, the, you know, the jungle section, right? Near Heat and Gap, going, Joe, you're doing well. It took me a while to catch you there, <laughs> right? And I was dying on my ass. You know, I was, I was really suffering and grinding and learning my craft. I'm pretty grateful that I've learned so much and that I've got this fitness now, you know, and it's fun to go to races and be at the pointy end. You know, I'm never going to get bored of that. I'm never going to stop feeling grateful to not be at the back of the pack. Um, I think it is easier to be good at something than to not be good at it. And, and I'm super grateful for that. Um, I think you and I talk about this a lot, or, or at least I, I talk about this with the body weight workout. Um, that, that we do five times a week and you know we do a 12 minute workout Monday to Friday at eight o'clock every weekday and there's a, a, a definitely an emotional and a spiritual component to movement you know what we're doing as runners is we're expressing our freedom and our ability to propel ourselves forward we're we're playing with gravity we're playing with the the sort of the unseen in the universe, aren't we? We're playing with the intangible. And um, yeah, and, and maybe that's that's kind of making running sound too magical. But to me, it's a magical thing. You know, there, there's been times in my life when I haven't been able to run. And God, you appreciate it. You know, you miss it so much, don't you? You just, there's this great antidote that you have that you can go and move and then you feel good about yourself you can go and do some push-ups in a gym session or a swim or you know do a body weight session and you feel good and if you can't get that it's more than a drug isn't it it's more like a ritual it's it's a, it's a spiritual ritual isn't it and i think if you can't do that and someone takes that away 
that to me is just, uh, it's a very difficult existence when you can't move yourself. So I was actually coaching a guy at 11 o'clock today and he was talking about how he's doing some squats with weights on top of his shoulders and his legs were a bit sore and he didn't want to do the 10K time trial because his legs were sore. Um, and fair play to him, he still did the 10K time trial and he did a great job and he ran a great time. But um, it was interesting because, you know, to me, you don't need to add anything to your body to get a workout like I never use weights I've used weights in the past and when I was a boxer I had free weights and I had all sorts of different exercises I do and I use a few of the machines but actually just moving your body is enough you've got body weight and it's the perfect dose for you because it's your body you're not going to need to move more or less than your body so I really feel that our bodies are a gym for our mind and for our heart and for our soul and when you move yourself, you are moved, right? So there's an emotional component to everything we're doing and there's a, a spiritual component. So, you know, swimming for me is about courage and patience, especially swimming in the ocean. You know, you're going out into this enormous moving force that you can't control. And, and one of my swimmers said this on Sunday morning. She's like, oh, you just can't control it. I don't know what, you know, where the waves are coming from. And that's the point. You've got to kind of go with the waves. You've got to have that courage to step into something that is out of your control. So, yeah, for me, the spiritual aspect of running and movement is almost beyond words, certainly beyond what I can say. And, and there's an emotional and there's a undeniable change in our disposition as a result of moving. Beautiful. And just to qualify what Joe is saying for those listening, Joe is a personal trainer. He's, he's a full-time coach. So he, he's not just saying these as an N equals one anecdote. This is from his, his studying and his profession that he's, he's, he's saying this body weight stuff is, is, is stuff. And I can attest to that. I've been doing uh, body weight workouts for, with Joe since February this year. I've just done a hundred myself. Um, and come on yeah and uh, joe's up to 606 was today for you mate and, that's and just, right yeah i've just made it's made such a difference to my body my strength my uh lessening my injuries my recovery and then it's just that's 12 minutes that we do every weekday and um if anybody's interested in joining joey i highly recommend it it's so easy to do 12 minutes a day and um and he's just wonderful coach and he gives you a lot of insights as you're doing it teaches you how to do the exercise properly and um, i've got so much out of it so thanks joe thanks Rob. Um, something you just said that i need to drill into because there's a lot of wisdom about this so you use the analogy of swimming in the ocean with your, one of your athletes and the things that you can't control can before we leave india behind because there's still a lot so many stories you can still tell i'm sure there's so much in ultra running and in long distance racing, triathlete, whatever, that we can't control, yet our minds want to control it. So we're, we're planning, but we need to let go. We, we, we want to have a result. We want to win the race, but we need to take that away and focus on our process. Um, we're going into this distance that we might have never done before. And now we're, we're trying to make sure we can do it, but the best way to do it is to release all the expectation and be in the moment. So can you, from that place that you just talked about, being in the ocean where you don't have any control, being on the track in the heat, we don't have any control. Is that part of your mindset when you approach the, this stuff? Or can you, can, you, can you talk to us more from that place? 
Yeah, look, I feel that I am a doer and a plopper. And what that means is I am focused on action more than words. Actions are more important to me. So when someone shows me who they are through actions, that's more important to me than necessarily what they say. Um, and being a plopper is being someone that you could pick up from any part of the world in any city, plop them in India or plop them in the UK, plop them in Sydney, plop them in the outback, and they'll be successful. They are proactive and they're capable and they'll uh, be action-focused and, yeah, they'll, they'll get it done. So I consider myself a plopper. You put me anywhere, I'll be all right, you know. Um, there's a great quote from one of my fellow athletes in the Australian team, Alicia Haron, who's the 48-hour champion and age group uh, record holder. Uh, and she got um, gold for the ladies and um, bronze individual medal uh, uh, in India, which is absolutely incredible. So Alicia says, you just do what you do because you have to do what you've got to do. <laughs> Love it. So that, that is a doer, right? There's, there's thought and there's consideration and there's strategy behind what, what Alicia does and what all runners do. But we've got to be action focused. We've got to do, we've got to move, right? Movement, movement, you, you go forwards. Even if you're unsure, even if you want to analyze and you want to, you know, think about it and write some more notes, get, get into it, get moving, you know, um, settle in. And I think that's really important to, to be someone that is action focused, to be someone that is able to show up, you know, that's a, an important part of my philosophy is showing up. You know, when I went to that Ernst and Young presentation last week, you know, standing in front of a, a room of 90 accountants and doing a presentation on seat to surf, it's terrifying. I don't want to do it. Every cell in my body is saying, run, you know, do, what you're, do what you're good at. Get across that harbour bridge. Get on the other side of the harbour bridge. Go north. Get out of here. <laughs> um, but this is this is that's the place right when you're doing right you're you're creating those motor neuron connections you're you're doing something good for you ultimately that presentation in the city that was uncomfortable was also good for me and my training is good for me and the movement is good for me and doing a workout at eight o'clock every weekday is good for me and being up at five in the morning and getting you know brushing my teeth washing my face making my bed and going for a morning run is good for me it's selfish but it's action and you, you've got to be action focused and you've got, if you're not action focused, that's okay. Just create some rituals, create some stuff that makes you feel good, that you enjoy, that makes you feel gratitude, that makes you feel connection um, and, and get on that treadmill, start moving forwards. And what tends to happen is, you know, the first year you don't get it, the second year you don't get it, the third year, but eventually, you know, after 100 workouts, Rob, or after 606 workouts, it's hard not to improve. It's almost difficult not to go in a positive direction. Um, and I think of it as as interest rate kind of types of, of improvement. Like everyone's looking for 5%, you know, 10% um, dividends and 10% interest and whatever. I want 025 but I want it consistently. I want 0.25 or 0.5. If I can improve in a year by 0.25%, I'm over the moon. As long as I'm making progress, progress is the thing, not the quantity of the progress. Don't get greedy. Just make progress. Just move slightly forward. 
lazy training is something I, I think about a lot. You know, just train lazy. Just show up and do do it half-assed. You know, do a rubbish first draft. As long as it's a draft, as long as you've done something, you know, you've done that brain dump, you've started that workout, be terrible, have a beginner's mind, you know, and, and that's something that's become the core of my sort of coaching philosophy is just show up. Two words for success, show up. And I repeat it to my guys all the time. Um, so, yeah, that's, I, I guess that would be um my answer to that question i've kind of gone off on a tangent again so i'm i'm what was the original question rob <laughs> it doesn't matter it's a lovely tangent and it's taken us somewhere else i wanted to ask you because you just to take a step back i i've seen that growth in you i've seen that consistency since 20 2009 2010 you know that story you told a great north walk you you've come from the back of the packer to a mid packer to a front packer to a champion and, and you've done it over these 12, 13 years, plus, plus more, all of your background before that. So I can attest to your own, what you just said there. And, and that makes me want to question about, you're now full-time coach. Um, and how much does that coaching give you? When, when you take on a new client, like you just talked about, and you're saying, just show up, do a crap workout, just, just have a go. How much do you get out of coaching somebody else that you can't get out of just working with a coach and doing your own individual sport, if that makes sense? Yeah, look, I get so much out of coaching my athletes and they give, give me so much. I think, you know, a good example would be the Special Olympics athletes that I coach. So I've actually just um, signed a contract last week or going through the process of, of, of getting that contract signed of being a supplier of coaching to Special Olympics. And I've been coaching Special Olympics athletes for about a year now in the swimming club. And God, like they give me so much. I can't miss those sessions. I wouldn't want to miss those sessions. It becomes, and I've spoken to quite a few coaches that coach Special Olympics athletes. It becomes addictive because they're your family and they love seeing you and they're full of joy. And they've got this childlike quality that just makes you forget all the BS that you, you, you know, you forget about that Westpac, Westpac account that you've got to top up and that invoice that you've got to sort out and, you know, the gas is going up or the electric's going up. None of that stuff matters because you're with these joyful souls that they, 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 they adopt you. You're not just their coach, you're their best friend. So, yeah, I, I think I get so much from my athletes. I get so much from coaching. And then seeing people succeed, you know, a lot of the time it's better than seeing yourself succeed, you know. When you, and you've experienced that. You're a generous guy, Rob, and you've cheered me on for, for 13 years. You know, you've cheered me on for, for over a decade. And as much as I've grown through that process and become a better runner, I've had people around me with their arms in the air sort of cheering from the sidelines, going, keep going, keep going, keep moving forwards. And, um, yeah, like, it, it, it's a, a, a win is a shared thing. I think when you're succeeding, you can share in that experience and you can share in that journey, and that's a really fun thing. I had a lady, Jen, Jen Kelly, recently ran 54Ks for her dad at 54 years old. And I may have talked about this in the previous podcast, but um, 
she her, she lost her dad when he was 54 and she was turning 54 and she wanted to run 54 Ks. So originally she was going to run this in February, but we delayed it until um, June. So we finally did this run in, in end of May, beginning of June. And she ran from the Opera House to the Lighthouse at Palmy, 54 Ks along the coastline. It's epic. She had her whole family, all her friends out supporting her three or four aid stations. You know, her husband was there the whole time. Her boy ran with her. Absolutely beautiful. One of the most beautiful runs I've ever done, Rob. And I've done a lot of running. And this was special. The energy of these people, they were my tribe, my people. Well, really, it was Jen's tribe, but I, I kind of adopted them. They were just such lovely people. And it was just perfect. It, it, like, you, you know, a great tribute to Jen's dad a great way for the family to heal, a great way for Jed to find some joy in her 54th birthday, which otherwise might have been quite a depressing time, thinking about your dad and missing the fact that he wasn't there for, for all those important times when you're growing up. And she flipped it and she did it beautifully. And we got to the headland at Palmy and we're up at the lighthouse. It's the end of a 54K run. All her family and friends are there. All the iPhones are out taking videos and they're playing... Um, uh, who's who's the boss? Who's the boss? The, the Bruce singer Spring, Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen. They're playing Bruce Springsteen, which is her dad's favourite artist. So he's he's singing, and they're scattering some ashes that she had from um, from her mum that she kept of her dad, scattering these ashes at the headland of Palmy beside the lighthouse. And Jen's son has got his hand on his mum's back, and it was just. I, I kind of felt like I, I almost shouldn't be there. It was so beautiful. Uh, and it's very, very special. It was a very fitting, beautiful end to a, to a spectacular run. And from the lighthouse to, sorry, from the opera house to the lighthouse was just magic. It was, you know, I was quite impressed that I'd mapped that out and come up with 44Ks. It was um, one of those ideas that you go, oh, no, that would be fun. And then when you actually run it, you're like, oh, wow, that was, that was a better idea than I thought it was. Um, so... Yeah, I think I get so much from my athletes and I genuinely 100% care about about them and their success because they win, I win. I win, they win. And, I, you know, I bring stuff back from India. I bring discoveries and research and development and go, hey, next time you've got a hot race, this is what we do and this is how we think of um of, of you know, our race prep we want to be effulgent and adamantine and ineffable <laughs> like I, i'm soaking i'm 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 a such a fanboy of running like i love all this stuff so for me i'm always learning i learn something new from every athlete and and we grow together right and that's what life should be really shouldn't it it should be moving together with other people it's pretty boring doing it on your own you know you hear about these millionaires that get incredibly depressed because they get all the money in the world, but they've got no one to share it with, you know, and I just feel really blessed that I've got the skills. I know how to get people fit. I know how to train them for ultras and marathons and, you know, whatever they want to prepare for. I've learned the skills. And um, I like to say, you know, there's people that have FU money. I've got FU experience and it's such a joy to share that. It's such a great thing to, to share that with other people and to see them kick ass. And there's stuff that they can do that I can't do. Like I couldn't have created a run as beautiful as that along the coastline. And, you know, 
I, I really feel that Jen will inspire a group of athletes at 54 years old that don't give a, a monkeys what I'm doing. So it's this, it's like a positive virus, isn't it? It's like positive COVID. You, you see these beautiful runs and people are a part of it. They do some pacing, they do some A station stuff and then they want to do it as well. So, um, yeah, I'm a fanboy of running and I'm, I'm, uh, you know, um, an evangelist of running and, you know, I just, I love seeing people kick ass. Like who doesn't, I can't understand why you wouldn't want to see that. Right. It's the best job in the world. Yeah, Jerry, this is, it's a beautiful part of you that wanting to share and, and develop other people. Um, I want to take that and hold it alongside the mindset that you've built for yourself, especially probably in the past three to four years that I've seen you exponentially increase your results. Um, and what I want to go with is how do we hold that you know, ineffability and effulgent and, and letting go of all the stuff and, and, and running with no mind and um, giving to others in one hand. But in the other hand, the champion mindset, the one that enters the race and wants to win it and knows he can win it and is there to win and is a competitor and a strong desire to take out the race. Can you, can you talk about those two things and, and how you can sign up for the next race wanting to be the champion and knowing you can be the champion and how, how those mindsets mix together. Yeah, look, I really feel that a champion mindset is the same as that sort of um, warm kind of gratitude loving mindset i think it's very very similar i think they're aligned i think it's the same thing you know when we meet someone that we think is a good person we say oh that guy's a champion you know that girl's a champion you know you don't necessarily mean they're on the podium in first place what you mean is they've got the champion spirit and yeah i think what you've highlighted there is really spot on like it's the same thing you know i used to see this a lot when i raced in canberra um you know, I did the 50K a couple of times. And I remember going down there and seeing these guys on the podium in first place. They won the 50K and they're running this 50K faster than I can run a marathon, you know, half an hour ahead of me running a 42K. And their body shape is super lean and they've got the little shoulders with the tiny pterodactyl dinosaur arms. And they're, you know, this huge, huge smile. On them. And they've got like muscles on muscles in their calves. They've got like four calf muscles. And I'm trying to figure out how, how have they got four and I've got one. And um, yeah, lean and mean. And they look like greyhounds, don't they? And but the big smiles is what always caught me. And I, I used to think to myself as a kind of, you know, beginner ultra runner and and sort of you know enthusiastic marathon runner like i would be smiling as well if i was in first place on the podium i'd be smiling too of course they've got a lovely smile of course they look great on camera of course their eyes are sparkling it's because they won the race but then you realize it's the wrong way around they won the race because of who they are they didn't become that person on the podium they didn't just morph into this happy carefree you know kind eyes kind of big broad smile person they you become the champion before you are awarded as, a, as the champion and i think that's an important thing to recognize is you know i've learned that running forces you to become kipchoge like right you look at kipchoge he, he's the warmest kindest soul you know he's, he's out there running at 254 
and he you know he's, he's doing it for humanity he wants to you know no human is limited isn't that his mantra you know for the sub two hours no human is limited he's not saying look at me i'm kipchoge doing my marathon pace is faster than your strides pace you know he's out there being kipchoge and um and being a, an ambassador for the sport and i think that's where you have to go i think if you want to be a champion then you have to become the champion first and it's it's that way round you don't morph into this new person on the oh joe's really nice now he was he was an a-hole <laughs> like for the last 3 months getting ready for the race he didn't talk to anyone he was just training on his own his earphones in over at the at the oval and he's ignoring me and you know his one word answers to everything i think it's it's practice behavior it's ritualistic daily practices versus um this kind of uh complete change i i don't think in a lot of ways i don't think any of us really change but i do think we we become effective at turning the volume up on the good stuff about us you know so you you can hone in a bit and go well and that's what running does certainly what ultra running does is it holds a mirror to to your face so you can really see yourself and there's bits you don't like and you can kind of turn the volume down a bit and for me there's bits that i'm really proud of that maybe i've inherited from my parents or you know my ancestors or whatever but there's bits of me as a as a biological machine that i can kind of turn up a bit and i can tweak so yeah so i don't think they're separate i think being a champion and being a champion is is almost a lifestyle right it's um you know, I want people to succeed. I want people to win. Uh, I do care, sometimes to my detriment. You know, I, I feel like I sometimes, you know, give too much of my energy and, and that's, you know, some people don't don't want that and some people, you know, um, probably don't deserve that, to be honest. Some some people haven't got that same warm approach to to life and, and that they haven't got that win-win approach, certainly. It's, it's more of a selfish thing um so yeah look i yeah i i have to i have to become the champion to be the champion and i think that's um mike tyson that talks about that you, you cross all those bridges way before you get to to dance under those lights um so yeah that that's my approach a beautiful answer that's a beautiful answer um and, and to build on that for the future for you um you've reached incredible distances just taking the 24 hours what, what you've done your improvement's been exponential as i said what parts of you are yet to be kind of discovered or what 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 part of you is going to allow you to get to those 250 260 kilometers and further that like i know you're capable of that what's that part of you that you haven't yet as you said, held the mirror up to where you haven't yet discovered and, and brought out, where, where do you think that extra growth is for you in the next evolution of Joe Ward? Well, thank you for knowing that I'm capable of that, Rob. That's, that's why I've got infinite time for you, mate. And I appreciate that. That's something very special that you share with, with all of your friends and all your connections. Um, I know I can do that too. I back myself and I've got 250 and I'm going to Coburg next year to do 250 in April and that, that will happen. And, um, yeah, look, I'm still getting faster. Yesterday, I ran a two-minute 10K PB, you know, 36.08 at 42 years old. You know, I'm still improving. 
I'm still, I'm still, still moving forwards. That's what amazes me is I'm 16 years into this running malarkey now and I still haven't peaked. You know, I've lost a lot of hair. I've got a big bald patch on my head, but I'm still getting faster and I'm faster than Joe was when he was 16 years old. You know, I'm, all those versions of me that I thought were super fit playing football and playing rugby and doing athletics, I'm still improving. So with Martin's help, with, with Claudine's help, you know, I'm going to keep moving forward. Claudine's got a great quote, which is, everything is always serving me, even when it doesn't look like it. And I really believe that. I really believe, you know, I, I heard this in um, uh, a hip-hop song this morning when I was doing my, my 12K easy. Uh, Life is like a sine wave. And I thought, for a mathematical mind, that's a nice little uh, analogy. Life has its ups and downs like a sine wave. And I think, yeah, everything is always serving me, even when it doesn't look like it. So I like being on this journey. I like being on this road. Martin tells me that ultra runners peak at 49, which is fantastic. You know, he peaked at 49. So I've got seven years of this, of patient, gradual, you know, grateful movement, you know. And I, I've got big goals. I've got crazy goals, you know. Um, well, what's the phrase that Claudine says? She says... Uh, I'm enough, but I'm not done yet. Beautiful. How do you think people get in their own way of, of reaching their potential? You've just said you've got another seven years ahead of you, that long-term view you've taken. But for the people listening who, you know, how, what's a few things, ways that you've seen your clients or people, you know, get in their own way and kind of holding themselves back from, reaching what they're capable of, whatever that might be? Well, I used to always think about self-sabotage and how we put things in our own way. And I didn't really know what the antidote to that was. But speaking to Claudine, she talks a lot about self-trust. And that's the opposite of self-sabotage is self-trust. And, yeah, I, I trust myself. I trust that I'll do the work. I trust that I'll keep improving. I trust that I will wake up every day and become a slightly better coach and working on those gradual interest rate increases of every, you know, two or three months, 0.25%. You know, those 0.25% are going to add up significantly for all of us, you know. Um, and for me, it is those incremental improvements over a long period of time and trusting the process and, and trusting that when you've got good people around you and, They've got your interests at heart and they believe in the win-win and they're warm, loving people. You'll just keep improving. It's probably a bit self-serving, but I always say get a coach. You know, Find someone that's an expert. Find a nerd. Find someone that's as into running or as into whatever you, uh, you know, uh, endeavor you're undertaking as I'm into running. You know, Once you've got a nerd in your corner, it's done. It's absolutely done. Um, you know, when I need new shoes, I'll go and see the shoe nerds. When I need tips on nutrition, I'll go and see my nutritionist who's a nutrition. She's obsessed with nutrition. You know, when I need mindset advice, I'll go and see Claudine. She is a mindset coach. She's, she's not a mechanic on the side. She's not, you know, got a side gig and anything else. Her whole life is focused around being a mindset coach. So, yeah, when you put people in your world that are absolute experts passionate about what they do you kind of get pulled with the waves you get pulled you know pulled out to sea with the tide and 
Um, and that's a great thing. It's good. You put the right people around you and, you know, work with the right experts and it's done. One of my big takeaways from our last chat, Joe, was about the coaches that you have in your life and, and how, they've, how they've helped you grow and, and, and that reaching out for mentorship and coaching is a real strong takeaway and, and, and you're passing it forward and your goal to be, you know, Martin's, you know, so, you know in, the, in the position that Martin Fryer is in now where, where you're, you know, the, the, the most, one of the most respected runners ever in Australia and, and teaching others how to do the same. Um, oh, let's go back to you. You've got all of these great races behind you. Um, I want to ask you a couple of questions. You can answer however you want, but what I know you're building up to Melbourne. If I can say that out loud publicly, uh, yeah. What's what's the next kind of six twelve months got in store for you? And um, yeah, what, what are you what are you hoping to kind of bring out in those next six twelve months? Yeah, look, I think I focused on long distance for a few years now, and you know. It was great to win the Coast of Cozzy and the, the Sydney, South Sydney Ultra and, you know, uh, Sri Chim Noi and, and the Invitational. And, you know, it's been really fun to go to races that I've always dreamt of winning and to succeed and, and to, to do that. And now it's time to go back to speed. And, you know, I didn't really understand what speed work was for. I didn't really get it. I thought speed work was a way to torture yourself and just, you know, Put, put us old ultra runners in a place where we realized we weren't as good as we thought we were. Um, <laughs> so but what I, what I found Rob is actually speed work and running fast makes you feel like a kid. It makes you feel young, right? It's the secret to eternal youth is, is I might not look like a kid, but I can run like a kid and I can, you know, have that reckless abandon of running as fast as I can around a track. Um, so I'm really enjoying that at the moment. I'm really getting a kick out of that. And touch wood, you know, I, I don't feel too sore. The funny thing about speed work for me is it's a perfect antidote to sore muscles from a long run. It's like the best active recovery is go out and do some strides. And again, like, you know, Martin's amazing. I've learned this from him and I'm really passing on the stuff that he's taught me. But to be honest, Martin and I don't really talk running. We talk about, like crazy music from the 80s and 90s and um you know random words to to sort of um make people go and google check what we're saying um so yeah i think i've made some great discoveries through that movement through that training i want to do more speed work and yeah i just want to keep improving like the thing that I've learned from Martin is, you know, to get a good half marathon, you've got to run a fast 10K and that's like the door to a good half marathon. Then for a good marathon, you run a fast half marathon. And then it's that that progression is so powerful. This is why people like Vlad Shatrov. I think about him a lot, right? He's a fantastic marathon runner and, and fantastic ultra runner. He's won Tarawera and he ran the, uh, he won the um, Brisbane Trail Ultra Milo as well recently. And, um, and his competition. So, you know, I'm, I'm always thinking about the competition. But, um, yeah, I think Vlad's a strong, fast marathon runner. And, and that's the door to, to more ultras and to more wins and, and to represent Australia again. You know, I've got unfinished business with the Australian team and 
you know, I want to go to a race and win it outright. I want to be in first place. And, you know, I see all these Polish athletes doing really well. And I've got a little bit of Polish blood from my dad's side. And I feel like I've got uh, a little bit of genetics from, from Eastern Europe. So I want to use that to its full potential. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm starting to learn what each of these things are for, you know, whether it's speed work and the ability to feel like a kid or it's body weight training and an opportunity to, to raise your sense of well-being and your awareness and your the endorphin levels um, or the independence of just going for a nice long run and getting out of your own headspace. So um, more of the same, really. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, I do have to say you did mention the um, competition and how you think about the competition a lot. Can you give us an insight into how you think of them and like do you use it to motivate yourself do you use it to drive or what do you think about when you think about the competitors yeah look i think you know i try not to to compare too much because the whole sort of uh comparison is a thief of joy thing i think if you compare too much you put yourself in a bad headspace you can't enjoy where you're at um so you know i leave a lot of that in the hands of the running gods but yeah, like I, I like to see what people are doing and I, I want to make sure that I'm working hard enough and I'm working clever. Um, it's often you get a more you get more appreciation for what other runners have done that come before you when you're going through this road. So think about Brendan Davies a lot and how he used to do 5Ks and 10Ks and half marathons the week before a 100 miler or the week before a 100K. And people would people that didn't know Brendan would say, oh, you know, did a 5K last week, he'll be exhausted for this 100K. And everyone would say, no, no, that's, that's, that Brendan's peaking. He won that 5K race and now he's going to win the UTA 100. You know, it's just, and I didn't see how they would fit together. I just thought it was ego that was taking him to too many races. But actually, when you start to put it together, you know, we're not giving these athletes credit for how they've dissected the problem of being a good runner and being successful. And they've, come up with these great solutions of, you know, training all the different heart zones and training all the different paces and being a, a bike that has different gears um, and being super efficient at all those different levels. So it's, um, yeah, I'm comparing, but more from a, a sort of, you know, um, admiration and inspirational point of view than, uh, you know, I've got to scare myself into training hard or anything like that. Like I really back myself and I back what I'm doing and I back my training. I'm happy with what I do. And, you know, I've got a lovely mix at the moment of bodyweight training and speed and long and swimming and, you know, adding lots of walking in as well. And it's, um, yeah, it's nice to train all those different gears and then to have an appreciation for people that have learned this stuff already that maybe a year or two ahead. It's a really good distinction you used there, Joe, with the comparison of, of how to, to look at the competitors without being, um, yeah, as you said, um, comparing yourself to them but, but using them as an inspiration side. That's a great insight. Um, I appreciate that. And also I love hearing how you bring all the different parts of training together um, and I hope everyone's taken that in, in about the speed work, about the hill work, about the swimming, about the long run and how it all fits together to make this complete athlete. Joe, I want to thank you, mate, for today. Um, it's been pretty epic for me to to get inside your head and and learn how a champion mindset's created, but more so how you approach your racing, your training. You, 
your life and how much we can all take away from it because people who are getting caught up in um, comparison or having to perform or or um, needing to get somewhere to be someone and, and they can take so much out of your mindset um, that I know will help them let go of that stuff and and really become better athletes. So thank you for everything you've shared, mate. Oh, I'm incredibly grateful to spend this time with you. And, you know, time flies when we're chatting, Rob. It's good fun. I like it. <laughs> I agree, mate. Um, like I said before, I've got so much out of your body workout, home body weight workouts that we do um, every day, every weekday. Um, um, I've just ticked over a hundred of them myself. My body has changed. Um, I'm so much stronger just from those micro doses that you've talked about. Um, can you, uh, I'd like to absolutely recommend that everyone on the call either gets in touch with you about them or, or comes on board in the dream team and does it with us every, um, every day. Would you like to talk a little bit more about the body weight workouts before we go? Yeah, absolutely. So every weekday we do 10 one-minute bodyweight workout exercises to kickstart our day. Um, it's a great way to raise your energy levels and to empower yourself for the day. And it really is more about if you're moving, you're winning, than trying to execute as many repetitions as possible. So we invite everyone of all fitness levels to come and join us. Um, two free weeks for anyone that joins through this podcast any friend of Rob's is a friend of mine. So, yeah, come and join us and join the Dream Team. And, yeah, we've got a super positive group and some great energy to kickstart your day. You can do the workouts later on the day if you're busy. You don't have to do them at 8 o'clock live. You can do them at any time during the day. Um, and, yeah, it's uh, a great way to make your body happy, make your brain happy, and raise those endorphins. Totally agree. I love them. I don't do them live with Joe. I do them uh, mostly in the afternoons after – uh, kids or work or all my stuff is done and I, I get my 10 minutes in every day and I absolutely love it. Uh, Joe, how can people find out more about your coaching, your Manly Beach Running Club and, and you as a person? I'm all over the Googles. So Google Manly Beach Running Club or Joe Ward um, on Instagram. It's uh, at Ultra Joe W. Uh, my email is Joe Ward underscore 739 at hotmail.com. Um, but yeah, reach out. Any questions you have, happy to uh, give you a few answers. You know, happy to give people a, a free 20-minute phone call if they need a few tips on bits and bobs. And then after that, we can formalize some, some coaching if that's what you need. But um, yeah, always happy talking running. And yeah, feel free to reach out. That's very generous of you, Joe, to give a, um, you know, a free call to everybody. Um, I can highly recommend getting a coach if you haven't already got one and uh, you know, look no further than, than Joe Ward who's got the runs on the board. He's got a solid business with a lot of runners. And um, I remember asking you at the end of Coast of Cozzy last year when you'd won it and I said, mate, what did you do differently this year? And, and you said you attributed a lot of that win to the home body weight workouts that you'd built over the over the previous couple of years and um and um yeah so i'm really big fan of the work you do there it's great to be in that in that dream team we'll say goodbye joe thanks so much um if you have any more questions uh that you'd like me to ask joe for part three which i can feel will be coming on later in the year um all the best with the build up to melbourne mate i'm really looking forward to to um, hearing more about that. And um, are you able to share anything beyond Melbourne that you're focusing on or is it that just the main focus at the moment? 
I'm going to run 250 next year when I get to Coburg. That's the plan. So putting it out there, no sandbagging from me. So let's make it happen. Let's get 250 and then hopefully off to the world to represent Australia at the end of 2023. Fantastic. Just so you're clear, Coburg is, is Australia's probably most famous 24-hour race. That's where Janus Kura set the 303 kilometres in 24 hours. And it's where Joey Ward's going to light the track on fire next year, 250. Thanks so much, Joe. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm going to listen to this podcast four or five times in the next couple of weeks just so that I can let it all sink in. Thanks for sharing everything and not holding anything back as you always do. I'm already looking forward to part three. Thanks, mate. You're a legend, Rob. Thank you so much. Chat to you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Mindset for Runners podcast. I hope you got something useful and practical out of this episode. If you have a question around the mindset of runners or athletes in general, please email me athlete.mindset.training at gmail.com and I'll answer your question on an upcoming podcast. And if there's anyone you know who could benefit from the information I share in these podcasts, please share it with them. See you next time.